Well, it's very wonderful to be with you all tonight. We have a great uh, turnout. It's very encouraging to see that as we all together begin uh, the the sacred triduum. And uh, the first of our uh, liturgical celebrations is uh, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, wherein we commemorate uh, the institution of the Eucharist and also the institution of the priesthood as well. It's a special time. That's the one time of the year that the priests get to preach about the priesthood. And uh, both of these, the Eucharist and, and the priesthood, they point towards our Lord's humility and his love. And that's really what the Eucharist and the priesthood are all about. Christ's humility and love. But first, let's consider the institution of the Holy Eucharist. We see it foreshadowed in an arresting and powerful manner in our first reading from Exodus. There our text begins, This month shall stand at the head of your calendar. You shall reckon it the first month of the year. The month in which the Passover is celebrated is the first or beginning of the ancient Israelite liturgical year. So also, the institution of the Eucharist was the beginning of a new year. That is to say, a new time period, a new era, an era of grace and liberty and salvation. And those who partake of it are made new and given a share in that grace and that liberty and that salvation. Well, our text from Exodus continues, Every one of your families must procure for itself a lamb, one apiece for each household, one lamb per household. So also, Jesus, our one sacrificial lamb, has made us all one household, one family. We all partake of the one Eucharist and so become Brothers and sisters to one another. The Eucharist is the cause and the source of our unity. Again, our first reading continues, The Lamb must be a year-old male and without blemish. Well, this unblemished male lamb points to our Lord, of course, unblemished by any sin or imperfection. Next we hear, With the whole assembly of Israel present, the Lamb shall be slaughtered during the evening twilight. And it was the evening twilight of Holy Thursday when our Lord in the persons of his twelve apostles gathered together the new Israel of the Christian church and instituted the Eucharistic sacrifice in which he gave himself to his church under the appearance of bread and wine. And our text continues with more. They shall take some of its blood and apply it to the two doorposts and the lintel of every house. That same night they shall eat its roasted flesh. Now, just as the ancient Israelites applied the blood of the lamb to their house's door, so do Christians apply the blood of Jesus to their lips when they communicate in the Eucharistic chalice. And just as the Israelites ate the flesh of the Paschal Lamb, so also do Christians eat the flesh of the Lamb of God in the sacred hosts. Our final text here from Exodus, 
in connection with the institution of the Eucharist is, but the blood will mark the houses where you are. Seeing the blood, I will pass over you. Thus, when I strike the land of Egypt, no destructive blow will come upon you. And so also with us who have the unbelievable privilege of communicating in the Holy Eucharist, it is for us a Passover. Eternal death passes us over and we are preserved from sin and from eternal death. The eternal death that sin brings in, in its train. The Eucharist, my brothers and sisters, is an amazing preservative. Those who receive it devoutly with an adequate preparation and with an adequate thanksgiving afterwards certainly are preserved from future venial sin, from future mortal sin. They are protected. They are protected from the devil. They are protected from sin. They are protected from death. This is the wonderful gift of the Eucharist. But now let us move on to consider Holy Thursday as the institution of the priesthood. Now it is only a simple matter of logic that if the night of Holy Thursday was the night when our Lord gave his church the Eucharistic sacrifice, it would also have been the night when he gave his church the gift of the priesthood. Every sacrifice is offered by a priest. A new sacrifice would require a new priesthood. This consideration is reinforced by our second reading in which we hear St. Paul recount the tradition of our Lord at the Last Supper saying, Do this in memory of me. When our Lord said that, he was here giving a special command to the twelve apostles to offer the Eucharistic sacrifice just as he offered it that first Holy Thursday. In giving the twelve apostles this command, he was instituting the ministerial priesthood of the new covenant. And we can see this as well in our first reading as well. There's a little bit of a prophetic hint there back in Exodus where it says, This day shall be a memorial feast for you which all your generations shall celebrate as a perpetual institution. Just as the old covenant paschal sacrifice was not a one-time deal, so also the New Covenant Eucharistic sacrifice was not a one-time deal. The Eucharist would need to be perpetually renewed upon our altars until Christ's second coming. So also there would, need, there would be need for other men to take the place of the apostles and carry on their sacramental ministry across the ages until the end of the world. And it is the New Covenant priesthood which through the Eucharist, binds together one Christian generation with the next and brings all Christians across the ages into one communion with the Paschal Mystery. And finally, let us consider the example of our Lord's humility and love. On that first Holy Thursday, Jesus gave us the Eucharist and the priesthood but he also gave us his example of humility and love. These were the supreme gifts that he left behind us that holy night. And in fact, the Eucharist and the priesthood point towards and they embody Jesus' humility and love. Let us think of the Eucharist. Can you imagine it? 
In the Eucharist, our Lord entrusts himself to us in what appears to be a simple piece of bread. What awesome humility that the God of the universe would present himself to us under the appearance of a little piece of bread. In the Eucharist, Jesus gives himself to us as food. He nourishes us. He makes himself our health and our life. What awesome love. When the priest is ordained, the the bishop hands him the chalice and the paten, and the bishop says, Know what you are doing and imitate the mystery you celebrate. Thus, the Catholic priest is meant to imitate the same humility and love that Jesus has shown forth for us in the Eucharist. The Catholic priest is called by Christ to live his life for the body of Christ that is on the altar and also for the mystical body of Christ, the church, the people of God. His whole life is a gift given to Christ and to those for whom Christ died. He is often weak and he often fails to live up to his vocation. But with Christ's help, And with the prayers of the people to whom he ministers, he can begin to at least approximate the service of love and humility to which Christ calls him. And thereby he continues in the world Christ's own humility and love. And this, in turn, is a service to the entire body of Christ. He thereby helps all the members of Christ's body to grow in humility and love and thereby become true disciples of Jesus. And I'll leave us all tonight with a final comment here, I think that wraps it all up, and it's taken from uh, one of the first verses from our Gospel. It says in our Gospel text about Christ that He loved His own who were in the world, and He loved them to the end. He loved His own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. And we can think about this word, word, end. He loved them until the end. What is our Lord, what is being spoken about here? Well, first of all, it means to the extreme extent that a person could possibly love another. And so the Holy Eucharist and the priesthood is the extreme expression. It is an ultimate expression of God's love for us. But also, going back now to our own uh, requirement to imitate our Lord's humility of love, we can reflect upon the fact that this is Jesus' own end. He is about, as we will celebrate tomorrow on Good Friday, He's about to go to the cross. His own life is about to end. And so, at the end of his life, he gave the greatest example of humility and love that he could give. And so also, for us, this teaches us that as we draw near to our end, we need to not decrease, but we need to increase in our acts of humility and love. The Christian journey should be a journey of growth and humility and love. 
It's that way for the priests, of course, and so uh, you can all excuse me because I'm a young priest, so if I'm not quite there yet, uh, we've got Father Leoy here. He's older than me, so he's a better example of humility and love. But also for all of us who are called to imitate our Lord's, We need to be growing in humility and love. We shouldn't see any kind of task of service to our neighbor as something beneath us. We shouldn't see any uh, opportunity to make up to a neighbor, someone maybe whom we haven't spoken with because we've had hard feelings with. Maybe even for years we've had hard feelings. We need to humble ourselves, especially as we get older, because we might die or they might die. And those words of reconciliation and love will go unsaid. And so this is a supreme example for us all in Christ's humility and his love. Let us all draw strength from the Eucharist to grow in that same example of humility and love.